welcome to. Hey guys, can you keep it down? I'm trying to record a podcast over here. Oh, there we go. Sorry about all that noise. I'm a project manager at a construction site building the internet. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm focused on data center construction with a passion for electrical mechanical systems. Enough about me, though. Welcome to the podcast, Doing Girly Things, a podcast focused on breaking down the stereotypes surrounding construction, engineering, and other STEM-related fields and making them girly things to do. In this podcast, I answer all the questions I've been asked as an engineer about how things work in personal stories from people in these positions. This podcast focuses on answering questions from professionals, authors, and even a sexologist. I'll be interviewing men and women to talk about topics, how to effectively communicate in the workplace, and what does fashion have to do with engineering. Lastly, before we start the episode, I would love to introduce my weekly newsletter. Go to Doing Girly Things to join the weekly Toolbox Talk. This letter will be a 10-minute read in your inbox for a weekly update on what Doing Girly Things is up to. This is my way of trying to beat the algorithm and deliver content to people that actually want to read it. In the newsletter, you'll gain knowledge about basic construction topics, clips and quotes from the episode, resources, and of course, the cute silhouette I make for each guest. Go to my website, Doing Girly Things with 1G to sign up. Hope to see you there. And if a weekly newsletter isn't your thing, always feel free to like and subscribe on the app that you are listening to or head over to Instagram and you can see all of the content there that um, we've been producing over the last couple months. Now, time for the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Doing Girly Things. I am Megan, your host, and today I have a special guest with me. I have my Aunt Diane. My Aunt Diane is a graduate of Purdue University. She works at CAT, um, where we they sell generators, and it's, it's actually really interesting because her career and my career are pretty linked up in a sense of um, what she does. Um, she's also how I found Purdue University, and I found this career path. So I am very interested um, to interview her. So I will start off. Diane, you are living in Lafayette, Indiana, where it's not where Caterpillar's headquarters is, but is it the headquarters for the manufacturing? So Lafayette's where our large engine center is. Caterpillar is based out of Illinois, Peoria, Illinois. Most of the large engines are built at our factory here in Lafayette. And so you've been living there for 10 years more? I've been at Caterpillar for 15, and I've been living in Lafayette for 12 now. So part of how I found engineering and I wanted to be involved in it was Diane, she actually early on in her career with Caterpillar. So Caterpillar is a global company. Um, selling generators. So I actually have a couple questions for you about generators. One of the first questions I have for you is how did you find Purdue University? When I started looking for colleges, I looked at all the state colleges in Indiana to make it more cost effective for our family. I narrowed it down to IU and Purdue, Indiana University and Purdue University, and it depended on the scholarships is what I ended up choosing Purdue based on. My original degree program that I was going after was medical technology. So both IU and Purdue had a great medical technology program. What I really wanted to do when I grew up was 
develop medical equipment. When I was going through school, I got through all these medical classes and decided that wasn't really where I wanted to be. So I had a friend that was talking about his project in school of creating electric flush toilet, which sounds really geeky, <laughs> but it was the coolest project. I was like, I'm stuck in all these like chemistry labs and you're developing all this cool stuff. He also happened to be an intern at some of the local hospitals. And so I was like, that's a perfect way to connect what I want to do with uh, medical equipment with a degree at Purdue. And so I switched to electrical engineering technology because of that. I ended up loving it. it. It took me an extra year at college, but I loved the program. I loved how small it was. I loved the connection that you could have with your professors and the students. And so it, it was a really good fit for me as well. That was kind of how I ended up finding it was Diane. Then she fell, fell in love with kind of how small it was. And so I'm from a pretty small town too. And so the smallness of the college, but yet on such a big university and have you been inside since they renovated the lab i have not last time we were over at campus they were tearing down mgl and it was pretty impressive to see how big underneath it was and i haven't gone over and saw the new labs yet though that, that was really cool. And so another cool thing about what you've done with Caterpillar and your journey, I didn't even think about it, but generators do have kind of a big realm in the healthcare space and how they keep hospitals up. So with that, how has your career been with Caterpillar? Because you've gotten the opportunity to go abroad globally. You've even had the opportunity to move abroad if you wanted to. You've just been in different positions throughout the company. Yeah. And when I was first young, in my career, I was I was a little frustrated, to be honest, that I wasn't developing the medical equipment. But when I could make that connection with our backup power generation and the lives that are saved in hospitals, and when I can make that connection about our generators going overseas to third world countries to power villages, facilities... It made it, it made it okay. It made me feel more comfortable that I was still bettering the community with what we were doing at Caterpillars. That was how I made made it right in my head and made it okay that I wasn't ending up developing medical equipment. But the, the journey has been amazing at Caterpillar. I started off um, in a contract position doing shop support out in the factory. So I was the the engineering person that was responsible for making sure the builds went well. And I would talk back with engineers at some of our other facilities in Illinois and Georgia to make sure that the iron was correct. Was doing that for a few years and then transitioned over to um, a more engineering role. So I was responsible for releasing parts and creating new new parts. Um, if there were problems with our price list, I would fix that. Then transition to three years in um, a marketing role, so a technical marketing role. Uh, so that was a little bit different path than I had thought that I would ever go with an engineering degree. I was recording YouTube videos, making animated cartoons. That was a good way for me to use some of my creative side along with some of the engineering side. So that was that was really fun and exciting. And then a few months ago, back in November now, I started a new role as product definition. So I'm now defining what the new product line is going to be and what that's going to look like for 
for our future products. So that's kind of exciting as well. That is really cool. And so whenever I look up generators and the type of questions that people have about generators, one of the biggest questions is, is what what's the difference between a generator and a battery? So a generator uses a, a, a reciprocating engine, a spinning engine. A generator is also what it uses an alternator, which is also found in your car. And that's also what your engine spins and charges up the, the, the alternator in your car. Or it's also called an alternator on an electric power gen set from Caterpillar. It's just a very large alternator. And so the generator has to have the engine running in order to create power. Where a battery, it's all stored inside the battery. So you have to have something that charges your battery. Um, it could be an alternator. It could be a wind power, solar power. And that's what I was thinking is like really there is no difference between them is it's really a generator is what you need both pieces. You need the generator right. for the battery to work. And so I know that a big part of what you're doing right now is working with natural gas generators. So why is there such a big push for natural gas generators in the market? Yeah, so in the market, the emissions worldwide are becoming a, a more important topic. Everyone's caring about how much uh, NOx is getting put out into the atmosphere, how much CO2, parts per million of formaldehyde. And there's a lot of different emissions that can come out of uh, both a gas or a diesel engine. Um, gas engines traditionally are a little bit are quite a bit more, uh, cleaner when you use them. There is a push to start using natural gas gensets worldwide. One benefit that you'll see is the total cost of ownership over a long period of time is a lot better with a gas generator. But some of the struggles is they've, they've never traditionally been in standby operation. So in use for a hospital or a school corporation or a university, they've usually been continuous applications so one um, place in the U.S. that we're starting to see some pickup is in the combined heat and power space. You run your engine, you create your power with the generator, but then you also use that heat off of your generator to heat and cool buildings, to, to run the uh, laundry facilities at your hotel, to heat your the pool. The kitchen, to, yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of uses for that heat energy, and when you can combine... That, a lot of times, it offsets the cost of purchasing power. So when you purchase electricity, depending on how much need you have for electricity, you look at the cost of that versus the cost of natural gas. And there's definitely times, seasons, that natural gas generation makes a lot more sense. So that that's another reason that we're starting to see some push for natural gas. We're also getting better technology over the years. And we now have a really well-performing standby generator at Caterpillar that allows you to start and accept load meeting some higher standards than have traditionally been met in the past. So gas generators had always been looked at as sluggish, as slow responding, but now we have some natural gas generators that are performing standby power up and ready to accept load in eight and a half seconds can take on load just like our our current diesel generators and it's pretty exciting and it's fun to see that technology shift in the last few years to make that happen. 
So this is where Di, yeah, Di, this is where Diane I's um, background overlaps. So I do data center construction, and data center construction is a lot like a hospital, and you have to think about it in the sense that you have to have somewhere for a nine one one's cell tower and all of that data to be. So, for example, some of the data centers that I've built is we have these special areas to where you can't lose power because think about it: if you were to call nine one one and there's not power there, that's a really bad thing. So we have um, generators, but what we also have and what Diane was just talking about is this eight second startup is we have backup power for our backup power because we can't even spare that eight seconds. So the startup time is actually a pretty big deal in this whole is natural gas or like how how well does a generator work? And so I also think it's pretty cool because I didn't even think about it too. The because uh, on our job site, we don't have any natural gas. And so I was like, why don't we have natural gas generators? But what the reason is, is it would make sense if our kitchen was running on that, if our heating and cooling was running on that, then we could run everything off of that. And then it would just be backup. Um, and you could just because you could just do it through the pi- the line. But yeah, no, that's right. pretty cool. Where do you see the future for backup generator power going? So there's a lot of talk right now in the buzzwords hydrogen. So oh. I, I think there's going to be um, a push for natural gas or gas-powered engines to start running on hydrogen. It burns a lot cleaner. But right now there's a lot of restrictions and challenges to overcome like distribution that it's going to take a little bit to get those regulations put together. Um, How are you going to transport it? How are you going to store it on site? And then you're also going to probably run into challenges that you need a lot of hydrogen to burn in a gas engine and it's hard to store enough fuel to provide enough power. So I think there's going to be some challenges to overcome. I think getting some of the legislation involved is going to be important to see where that goes. But that's the buzz right now in the industry. Because there's also with generators, for example, when I was building in Las Vegas, your generators have to have a 40-foot stack on them. So you have to, whenever you burn it, there has to be this 40-foot stack. And it was just, it was so tall. But here in Oregon, we don't have any sort of restrictions like that. And so it really is up to the state legislative to tell you what are the restrictions per state. And where do you, is that hydrogen talk? Is that in the United States? Or are they talking about that more in Europe? So it's both. Um, we have interested parties up in the Pacific Northwest, there's some in California. A lot of it is in Europe, but we do see a trend right now that our customers and our dealers right now are asking a lot about where we're going with the hydrogen space. So um, stay tuned for more information. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, for sure. So you said that you've switched now into more of a technical marketing role. And that's part of the reason why I'm also telling people that engineering, there's a space for everyone. Is if you if you want to do the engineering, like you said that you did in the beginning of your career, um, you can do that. But if you really do want to tap into the creative side, there is a spot where you in engineering for that. And so what did you envision envision that you would be doing as an engineer compared to what you're doing now and how is that different and so getting involved with technical marketing allowed for 
me to take all of the information that I knew about generators, about electronics, about the marketplace, um, our customers, our dealers, and I get to spin it in a way that makes it easy for customers to understand. It makes it easier for people that know nothing about combined heat and power, for example. I put together, I worked with a creative company and they put together a cartoon for me. I storyboarded it up and gave them all the details and the technical pieces and what things should look like. And we made a cartoon together. And I never imagined with my engineering degree from Purdue that I would be developing technical cartoons, um, (laughs) infographics (laughs) about um, a a deep technical subject like power generation and combined heat and power. And and I think it's really awesome. to be able to use some of the social media, we're, we're using Facebook and LinkedIn to connect to new customers, to connect to existing customers. So getting involved with some of that space and seeing how that works, how, how do you reach new customers? What are the right words to use? What kind of images connect with your audience? And so we track some of that information. So it's a whole different different world. And I work with a lot of great people that have marketing backgrounds. And so combining their marketing expertise with my technical engineering expertise, it's a really good fit in that technical marketing space because it allows us to understand the product and our message just a little bit better. And and it allows our brochures and our web pages to have a lot deeper and more correct information on them. That is really cool, too, that you were able to do all of that with your engineering degree and that it's it's always been just like complete like promotions. Like it's not like you've like stepped back and said that this is what I'd rather do instead, but like that you've always just kind of found your way up into like being able to express some of these um, these ideas. And so but you are not just selling generators and marketing them, you are also a part-time Boy Scout leader. And so you guys just had the Pinewood Derby. And so one of the cool things about my family is, is that my mom and her sisters, they were 15 years apart, which means that my aunts and I are 10 years apart. And so my cousins are actually like pretty, um, a lot younger than me. And so it's, I actually have had the opportunity to a, um, an aunt role to them. Pinewood Derby and the Boy Scouts. And so how has Boy Scouts helped to keep the community alive for children during COVID? So one thing that our pack and even so I have Cub Scout and I also have a Boy Scout. So so when they transition over when they hit middle, so both of them have met differently, but it's been good to allow them to continue to see their friends. Sometimes we've been virtual right now. We're still virtual with Cub Scouts, but it, it allows them something to look forward to and something to get to interact with their friends. My seventh grader did summer camp last summer and it was one bright spot it was seven boys super safe following all the covid restrictions that were in place and it allowed them to be outside and in nature and that's one thing that i really love about cub scouts and boy scouts is it gives them something else to do to it makes good humans that's one thing that i've always said about Mm -hmm. cub scouts is it's all about making good humans and making them be good adults and teaching them skills 
that they can use and take with them when they get older. Uh, I mean, growing up, I was a part of 4-H, and 4-H did the exact same thing, a little bit different method, but um, trying to figure out how to be a leader and how to have a voice, how to how to present, how to talk to adults. Cub Scouts moving on through co- during COVID has, has been important to make sure that these boys continue to stay active in something like that. So I went to your Cub Scout event, and I was actually really impressed by how many people were still going. Or what, what is your involvement? I guess I haven't asked your big your role in it. <laughs> so I am the com- the committee chair. It relates a lot to what I do at work. So for work, I hold meetings. I create succession plans. I make sure we have a plan. And using those same organized engineering skills have helped me more than I ever realized being a cub master or a committee chair for Cub Scouts. Ironically, when I started being a committee chair, I was working with a lot of the people that I worked with at work. So a lot of the men from work at Caterpillar were also Cub Scout leaders. So it was really fun to kind of already know the people, already know their their personalities and and take that same uh, meeting leading, leading meeting uh, mentality towards Cub Scouts and to help make that a lot more organized. So it was kind of fun to do that. And then at the same time, it gave me a perspective on how diversity and taking some of the the different engineering roles and using them in non-for-profit or charity is, is kind of important. So some of those skills, you'd be surprised how those skills are also needed in those areas as well. So it kind of, it got my brain turning about what other non-for-profits could I get involved with? Mm-hmm. How can I use my organizing leadership potential in those spaces and make a difference in our community as well? So it's kind of fun to think about. Just like getting involved with a group, with a community. And so I think it's also important though for um, children, like Like, I saw my mom being a Cub Scout leader and, like, your boy see you be a Cub Scout leader. Is It is good to, like, see um, your parents involved in activities like that, too, because it does make it so then whenever you get older, you'll be involved. Like, I would not say that. And so what is the, out of all those things, being the best part about being involved with it? I think getting to see the difference that I'm making and all of these young kids Mm -hmm. Um, getting to see them be more confident from starting at kindergarten first grade age growing and now they're I mean my seventh grader now these boys some of them that were older when he started are now they're like young men and like seeing them be confident teenagers has been really fun and it's been really great to watch them stay committed to following through a couple of them or moving on to get their eagle scout my seventh grader really wants to be an eagle scout so it's exciting and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing his transition and and cheering him on as he goes through those stages remind me what do you all have to do to become an eagle scout I forget the requirements so there's I think 12 required merit badges, if I'm not mistaken, and then I think 24 in total merit badges you have to earn, and then there's a Eagle Scout project you have to do at the end. Oh, wow. oh, okay. So do you do it at your own pace then, or it's do you, is it like yeah, a like a mile? Okay. 
So you can you can go at your own pace and you can do it as quick or as slow as you want to. Most most scouts get their eagle around senior year of high school and you have to have it done before you turn 18. So you can do it as quick or as slow as you want. Right now, I think Caleb is ready for his second class. So there's different ranks that you have to achieve along the way. Oh, that's pretty cool. I guess I didn't realize that um, that's what he was aiming for. That's pretty cool. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I have one last game for us to play. So I have these cards. Um, I've been using them on the podcast. They are called Best Self Cards. And so the, the idea of the cards is that there's these different categories. So... Diane, I have two separate um, groups. You pick which one you want to answer, and I will read the question. It, do you, would you rather answer a question about dreams or life lessons? That's a tough one. How about dreams? Okay. If you met your hero, what question would you ask? I feel like my question that I would ask my hero if I got one question would be something lame like, how did you get to be so amazing? But that sounds really lame. (laughs) I don't think it's lame. I don't know if I like, if I met my hero, if I would like, I don't know if I'd really have like a, like a good question for them. I just would want to hang out with them. Have you ever, so they have that generation, like what's good and Um, what's special about each generation and I think like I am right on the edge of being a millennial and millennials don't have heroes or their hero is themselves which my hero is not myself but like that was one generational difference that millennials don't necessarily have they have heroes I wouldn't say that I have a hero that was like honestly let me I'll read this other question and we can just edit that out so (laughs) Question for you. How do you imagine you'll spend your retirement? Ooh, that is a good one because we just got back from Gatlinburg and there are people that spend their retirement helping the national parks and um, they look for bears and they keep bears safe. And so I always kind of thought that I was going to be a turtle rescue down on like a North Carolina beach you ever wake up every morning you go check for turtle nests then you make sure that the turtles stay safe but now it might be a toss-up between turtle rescue and bear watch so that's actually pretty cool or or what you could do is is you could do turtle watching in the winter time or I guess no maybe the seasons might overlap I don't know we'd have to look at that but uh It's going to be a tough choice there because Gatlinburg was pretty amazing. The mountains called and I answered. (laughs) It did look like you did have a good time. Where did you guys, where would you guys recommend staying in Gatlinburg? Like what, what part? So we stayed right east of town in a VRBO house and it was pretty amazing. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Well. I'm glad you guys had an awesome spring break. I'm glad you guys were able to get out. And now you know one more thing you would do with retirement. Maybe you would. It's a choice. 
<laughs> yeah, now you now you have choices, and maybe you and Dad, because Dad's kind of mentioned doing something. Sim- after we went to Yellowstone, Dad's like, you know, maybe this is what I'll do in retirement: is just come work out here. So maybe you and Dad can uh, find houses and just swap. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a summer and a winter. Home. Yeah, but. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed learning all about generators, Boy Scouts, and yeah, thank you. Well, thanks for having me, Megan. So proud of your podcast and what you're doing with your career. You are doing amazing. Keep up the great work and keep mentoring those young women. Thank you.